Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. Thank you so much for making a commitment to learning. Hope everybody is doing just so well this holiday season. Uh, (laughs) The start of the holiday season. (laughs) Is it, though? Yeah, yeah. We're, well, we're in the middle of it. I feel like, I was going to say, we're in in the holiday season. Anyway, I'm your host. I'm Jordan Porter, joined by the fabulous Yvonne Brandenburg. Hey. Who's moving. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. And I don't envy it because like the house showing, I think, is like what the hard part is, right? Like it's like yeah. you have to keep everything clean all the time. I had to hide. Well, at that time I had more than 10 dogs because I still had like a bunch of the puppies. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and there uh, were puppies. So like, of course, like our furniture was all chewed. Like it wasn't the best situation for house showings. Yeah, we we have the cats in the house and like our house is tiny. It's like 450 square feet. So like there's a bunch of cats in there right now um so we're getting our place ready um i'm dealing with my tenant up front that i gotta get her situated so that's been stress and then um (laughs) mom's also selling her house at the same time because we're all moving together and so we're getting my mom's house like done um and my mom like my parents have lived in that house since like 96 (laughs) so Mm -hmm. and like the carpet is from 96 so like we're getting new carpet this week and there's paint going on just because you know we want to not make it look horrible so yeah so it's it's been crazy and like we don't have an exact moving date yet because it all depends on when we sell our houses um so yeah I don't know when I'm moving sometime hopefully in the next month and a half which also sounds crazy I can't believe it's like in the next month and a half I mean holy crap I get that we sold we sold and bought our house within a month yeah exactly 30 days like we put our house on the market we found we did a handful of showings but we had sold our house within 24 hours of putting it on the market like we got an offer yeah oh that's right I forgot about that yeah and then because I found this house that we're currently in and as soon as I found this house we're like let's put an offer in and we put an offer in and within I think we waited it was less than 24 hours and we were the only people luckily to put an offer on this house at the time um Wow. And then as soon as like as soon as they accepted our offer here, I was like, all right, we gotta sell our house. And so we did. And like, oh, thank God though. Like, thank God it all went like back, 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 like back to back and like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is not going that quickly here just because it's like three houses basically that we're dealing yeah. with. Yeah. In all various situations. <laughs> like a tenant someone who's been there for 30 years and then our little house which has been renovated in the last three years so it's like uh, it's kind of crazy so we have the we have the pod 
that's in the driveway right now. And the goal is today and tomorrow, because my husband has today and tomorrow off that we load it as much as we possibly can with like the boxes and like the outdoor furniture and stuff that we can. Mm-hmm. Um, because in theory, in theory, the houses will go actually not in theory. They are going on the market in the next four days is what it comes down to. So, um, yeah, we have to, <laughs> we have to have it somewhat presentable, which I'm just like, Oh God. So your Christmas is going to be spent, you know, packing up your house instead of like unwrapping gifts, you're wrapping everything up and putting yeah. it somewhere else. <laughs> yes. There's a type of wrapping involved, but not the normal Christmas wrapping. <laughs> yeah. Is that your guys' Christmas present to each other too? Just like a new house in a new well, state? You know, <laughs> I, that's what I told Kevin. And then he was like, but that's not a good present. And I was like, I can't with you right now. Like we talked about this over a month ago, <laughs> like that we weren't going to get anything. And he's like, okay. So I don't, I don't know what he wants to do. I'm like, how about we wait until we get to where we're going to figure out what we want slash need. Yeah. Because I have no idea. Like, well, how about sometimes we wait? you Sometimes you have to be like actually in the house to like figure out what you want your aesthetic to be too. So. Yeah. I mean, this house is so different from anything that we've had. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> just like, ah, so it is going to be a little bit different aesthetic in general, but I don't know. I don't think it's going to change too dramatically much because I like more modern-y looking things nowadays than, yeah, you know, <clears throat> but yeah, I just can't wait to freaking get up there. So we're moving, obviously said that um but we're moving from the san francisco bay area to southern oregon (laughs) so it's it's a six hour drive from here so we're we're moving to a different state which is kind of crazy um especially because kevin's never lived outside of the city that we're in yeah (laughs) so it'll be new for him and then you know I've lived in California since I was four, so it may as well be the same thing for me. Um, my mom's like, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> she's like, yeah. I moved from a different country, it's fine. <laughs> so, so you know, she's just like kind of excited to get her own place, and we're gonna have twenty three yeah. acres. So, my mom's gonna be extremely, extremely excited to do all the like planting and gardening that she loves because even her house that she has right now she has like it's like a regular size backyard like normal size backyard and she probably has I don't know 20 different fruit trees back there and blackberries and raised flower beds with all sorts and so like (laughs) the fact that she's doing that all in the space that she has like Mm -hmm. she's gonna have so much space she's gonna love it Um, yeah so that'll be nice yeah I just am freaking out about moving the cats because I have no idea how that's gonna go I think there's gonna be a lot of gabapentin involved Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and I gotta I I think I just need to make one car the cat car and like just be like all right I'm driving straight through because these cats are gonna lose their minds (laughs) yeah yeah six hours is a lot for a cat it is. I mean, they're young, so 
Um, you know, I don't think they're going to die if I don't give them a ton of food and water during the trip. I might no. have like one litter box. I don't know. I have to figure out the litter box situation with that many cats. I don't know if I need to make two trips. I don't even know. I'm just Yeah. <sighs> It's just funny, like, because I moved different states, too, but my different state was 40 minutes away. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, oh, 40 minutes. I'm like, I'm six hours and I just barely get into Oregon. To be fair, we did move from Ohio to South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. And then South Carolina to Georgia. Yeah. And then now Matt's sending me a bunch of property in Tennessee. So we'll see (laughs) where we end up. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so funny. You're like, I don't know, I might end up who knows where. So anyway, so how that's going to affect us is I'm going to have to change our address because <laughs> mm-hmm. it won't be Livermore anymore for anything. Um, Yeah, I don't, I got, I got to figure out how to get my tech license in Oregon. I think I, I think I figured it out and it seems pretty straightforward. Thank God I did the VTNE when I did. Because mm-hmm. I makes didn't a have a big to- difference if you have the VTNE and then you yeah. can just transfer. Yeah. Well, I didn't do the VTNE originally to get my California state license because yeah. I didn't need it back then. I just took it when I was an instructor because I was like, oh, I'm, I'm teaching towards this test. I should take it and see what I'm teaching towards. Um, so Thank God I did it because I don't, I, I wouldn't want to take the VTNE now. I'd be like, I'm screwed. <laughs> right i mean like large animal i know nothing hamsters hamsters what's this wet tail you speak of? <laughs> right oh my god there'd be so many gp things i'd be like i don't even know yeah you'd have to remember the puppy dental series like oh god you mean vaccine series no i'm in dental formula oh the dental puppy formula dental formula yeah. See, this is why we would do this. <laughs> so all of you guys in general practice that, you know, <laughs> you haven't sat for the VT&E, don't worry. It's been a long time for us. We'd have to study our butts off too. <laughs> oh my God. I would have to study so hard. I that know. Was what, two th- I took it in 2008. Wow. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I can't even remember when I took it. I'm trying to think. So. I graduated in 04, well, no, end of 03, early 04. And then I worked at my general practice for seven years. So six and so 2010. I probably took it in 2013, 14, somewhere in there. We've talked about this before because like I had to take it on a Scantron and I waited eight weeks. (laughs) I was on a computer. I pressed enter and I was like, I passed. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what is that? Like, and people get told now, like they don't have to like even do the entire 240 questions or whatever it is. Like as soon as you hit the passing mark, they're just like, all right, you cool. You're, you're good. (laughs) Oh, really? That's what I've heard. Some States are doing. Oh, what? That's crazy. No, you take yeah. the whole test. Dang it. <laughs> oh, that's On a crazy. Scantron and you wait eight weeks. No, you don't have to do a Scantron and wait. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Just take the whole test and hit enter. <laughs> oh, must be nice. Must be nice. <laughs> um, just so everybody knows, um, because technically we're recording this on December 11th, 2022. Holy crap. We're almost in 23, which geez, Louise um the next two weeks 
Jordan and I are going to take a break because, well, I'm moving and Jordan has kids. So Christmas. <laughs> um, and then we'll be back. Uh, what's, what's the date that we'll, the next episode, like live, at, well, not live, but new episode will be. I want January to 3rd. The 3rd. Okay. So yeah. So the 20th and the 27th, we'll put some stuff out there, but it's going to be some recaps from previous years, um, from previous years previous years yeah that's crazy that we can say that um, i know and then what yeah, am i gonna do for two and a half weeks because my kids like this is the last week of school for my kids and then <sighs> i don't think they go back to school until january 4th or 5th wow mm-hmm. that's crazy i don't know what you're gonna do you better give them some some like science toys to play with <laughs> yeah yeah i gotta find something <laughs> some sort of activities right anyway this week we're going to be talking about renal dysplasia yeah sorry thanks for letting us (laughs) ramble about you know life how how are how the month of december is going to be going for us oh boy yeah um but yes this week we're going to be talking about renal dysplasia it's probably going to be a shorter episode just because last week we talked about um renal uh polycystic kidney disease I don't know why I blanked on that. And so it all very much falls along the same lines when it comes to like treatment and client communication and stuff like that. Um, right. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> oh, great. You just gave away the end of the episode. <laughs> I did. <laughs> but it's the beginning that's the important part. The end, everybody listening already can, you know, safely assume. But the <laughs> beginning is the important part. So, um, so what renal dysplasia is, though, is basically it is a formation of abnormal nephrons with excessive mesenchymal stroma, and this can occur without inflammation as well. Um, that's a lot of big words and a lot of anatomy and physiology falling in here. I was <laughs> so, like, whoa. <laughs> um but when it comes down to what we actually see and what, what's occurring within the body, uh, renal dysplasia can be either unilateral or bilateral, just like our polycystic kidney disease. So it can affect one kidney or both kidneys. Usually these kidneys are relatively small. Um, they're very firm and they can be pale as well. So this mm. obviously is on necropsy. Sometimes it can be seen like just on a incidental finding of an explorer or gastropexy or some reason that we opened up our this pet and we can visualize the kidneys. Um, they can be like uniformly defected, defective, mm. um, especially in the renal cortex. So it, it can look a little bit. Like they don't have enough renal cortex. Yes, but it, it's like uniform, like across like both kidneys where it's like, you know, it's abnormal, mm. but they both look so similar that you're like, wait, what's happening here? <laughs> yeah. Um, And what does happen? And again, now we're getting into the kind of like typically like a necropsy kind of thing because we're cutting into the kidney. The, well, they could have, we obviously they could have done a nephrectomy and just taken one out if it's unilateral. True true um but a lot of times we're gonna want like a biopsy on this kidney again spoiler alert i'm sorry that i'm 
giving away the ending here. <laughs> um, but what we're going to see is what happens within the kidneys and why a pet does form renal dysplasia. So it, we're going to see immature glomeruli. We're going to see immature primitive tubules. And we're going to see kind of secondary inflammatory lesions throughout the kidney. And especially we're going to see some fibrous connective tissue within the kidney as well. So basically what happens mm. is the kidneys stop forming essentially when Jeez. fetuses are forming. And so then that's where we get the immature glomeruli and those, those primitive tubules as well. Um, of course, we can kind of expect that this defect of one or both kidneys is going to lead to poor kidney function because again if we don't have mature glomeruli and the glomerulus is a very important part of the yeah. kidney yeah. and normal function uh it leads to poor kidney function because that glomeruli can't filter out things like it's supposed to and it can cause the kidneys to fail completely the oh, man. it's it's no bueno i've only ever seen one renal dysplasia case and it was sad I've seen one and yeah, I mean, just sucked. Yeah, it really did. And of course, cause it always happens to like super nice people. Right. Nice dogs. Yeah. The dog that we had was, her name was Honey. She was so sweet and the people were so sweet. Oh, um, anyway. So we can see a variety of like severity with this disease because it really is going to depend on the population of like normal and abnormal nephrons within the kidney. So not every renal dysplasia case is going to be treated the same. Well, mm. it's going to be treated the same, but it's not actually the same. Um, a lot of times we'll see that puppies, like if it's very severe where the kidneys really just stop developing very early on, then we'll see puppies and kittens fade pretty quickly uh after birth or they can live three to six months before unfortunately passing from a chronic renal failure especially if they have bilateral renal dysplasia versus unilateral versus unilateral mm. um because of course if you don't have the one kidney to make up for yeah both of them then mm. the prognosis is very poor the dog that we had she she lived to be like she actually lived to be like three or four but we were constantly dealing with like her um kidney disease and you know monitoring closely and she was on all the kidney meds and i mean she she did fairly well considering she had renal dysplasia but it still really sucked that she was not very old when she died I do find it interesting, though, because like in some of the research I found, it said only like a small percentage of those um, with renal dysplasia have severe. Well, I guess. I guess this is probably why we don't actually see it a lot, because only a small percentage of pets who do have renal dysplasia actually have severe disease. So like bilateral and where it really just mm, those yeah. kidneys didn't form early on. So a lot of them actually do pretty well and i think they go undiagnosed like for a, a subclinical kind of thing yeah, yeah because that makes sense because the kidneys are are the the rest of the kidneys right are making up for it yes so, exactly does make sense. so only about five to ten percent of pets actually get severe disease and pass away from chronic renal failure i mean that that makes sense 
why we only have seen one that passes away at like yeah. the age of two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, mm. yeah. Um, <clears throat> this is going to be a genetic component, of course, because it's a genetic disorder. We see it in puppies mostly. Uh, we can see it in cats, but it's pretty rare. Mm -hmm. uh so what what we're gonna see though is it has been determined that it's not really like sex linked it's going to be more um variables can affect males or females pretty equally what we'll see is like an autosomal dominant inheritance with an incomplete petrance or recessive inheritance and I am not a genetics person. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Ugh. but basically what it breaks down to is the genetic like inheritance of this disorder doesn't actually fit like a simple pattern. It's it's not like, oh, if mom has it, then right. one out of five of the puppies is going to get it kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. there's not there's not a simple way of trying to determine if someone has it <laughs> like nice. or is going to pass it along um so basically it's going to boil down to try not to breed those type of animals if they have renal dysplasia right but if their mom has it like they still have the gene and like it, it's it's difficult I, is, <laughs> like, did, in the stuff that you were reading like did you find like genetic testing for it nope because, like, you know, some of the other diseases we talked about had genetic testing. Because, like, you know, if you know it's in your line, if you could check for genetic testing versus, I mean, I don't know how else you would know. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> other than it's in the line, don't breed them. Well, and that's the downside, right? And, like, we're mm -hmm. going to talk about it. But, like, in order to diagnose renal dysplasia just in general, you need it, it requires samples. a kidney biopsy. And yeah. so, yeah, there, so there's no which real is, way to, which is not an easy thing to do. You don't just go, I'm going to kidney biopsy this dog before she breeds. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And there's no real way to like actually prevent renal dysplasia at this time. There could be in the future. Who knows? Yeah. But as of December of 2022, there's no way to prevent renal dysplasia. But again, because it's suspected or because it's inherited, we just, it's just recommended to not breed affected pets. Right. So I think when it boils down to kind of discussing this with breeders, like it's important to have just basic lab work done, right? Like to determine right. if there really is any sort of underlying thing that might be missed because one kidney is compensating for the other kidney and we, these things can get missed. Well, and I don't know about your dog that you saw that had renal dysplasia, but she came in and she was... So she was a golden retriever and she was probably six months when we first saw her mm -hmm. and she like acted completely normal and her yeah. UN and creatinine were like sky high. And I was like, yeah, any yeah, yeah. other dog that hadn't lived with it, you know, their entire life would have been more like clinically affected, but she was just yeah. like, this is my normal, whatever. Yeah, and so she I would wax see, and that would stuff be like crazy. that too. Yeah, yeah, like she would just occasionally be like vomit, but we were like, but they were like, oh, I think it's because she ate something. She's a puppy, right? And so, um, yeah, it was kind of crazy when we when we saw the numbers. We were like, you do not look like your numbers at all. Um, yeah, and so I can see like you want to get those numbers 
before breeding, just to make sure, you know, you don't have like some sneaky, yeah, you know, because too, kidney those, disease going on. Well, and you, if you think about it too, right? Like a lot of times those pets are going to be PUPD, right? But like for a person who just got a puppy, they're just like, yeah, she's just always drank and peed a lot. Like right. it's just she like always her pees normal. every two hours. It's fine. Yeah, like and she always pees a ton. Like and it's so it's like I can mm-hmm. very easy I can very easily understand how and why it would get missed yeah you know so i get it but there are common dog breeds that this has been reported in and again because it's pretty rare in cats we're going to talk mostly about dogs um so we're going to see it a lot well not a lot we're going to see it in bedlington terriers and amaskin amaskin alaskan malamutes chows cockers dobermans kishowns lasa opsos mini schnauzers i don't know what interesting anyway uh elk counts moyes shih tzus and wheat and terriers as well as our standard poodles all of the fancy breeds i think of like i know i was like those are huh it's funny though because the one dog i had she was a mix she was just a mutt like, the one dog i had was a purebred golden retriever so oh interesting yeah interesting, interesting. Uh, so as I kind of already said, PUPD is usually going to be the initial sign that people are going to see. But again, a lot of times, if this has been occurring since puppyhood, since they got the pet, they're going to be like, she's always drinking pee a lot. I never thought it was an issue. Um, so that's Especially gonna... if it's their first pet. Oh uh-huh. yeah. Like if they've never had a pet before or they've only had like a cat before and they're yeah. like, well, we like, never see cats. Normal? Yeah. This is why when you ask questions in your history, any changes with water intake no just ask them what how much does she drink how much do they urinate because they'll be like yeah it's normal (laughs) so yeah you'll miss that sometimes we can see that these dogs are going to be like kind of have like a form of dwarfism they're just going to be smaller like poor doers kind of thing they're going to be the runt and people often say that too they're just like oh she was just the runt oh and you get anemia which yeah kidneys so we can see failure of growth because, again, renal failure typically begins within the first few months of life. We can see anemia. We can see renal osteodystrophy and other other renal failure signs like decreased appetite, nausea, yeah, vomiting. Uh, because signs can often be big and just sometimes it's an incidental finding from those fabulous people who do blood work before spay or neuter procedure uh our differential diagnosis list is going to involve things like toxins uh acute renal injury infection uh, infection yeah all the kidney stuff (laughs) all the all the kidney kidney bladder stuff. stuff i guess i should say so when we're talking diagnostics it's the internal medicine special so full chemistry CBC, we're going to add a urinalysis in this because again, you know, like PUPD, especially with a puppy, I would lean more towards like bladder infection, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like that's what I expect to see um, versus renal dysplasia. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I would hope it's an infection <laughs> versus renal dysplasia. So you want to make sure that you're, you're getting that. Um, and then we see yeah. the normal kidney stuff, right? Yep. So. Yeah, so we're going to see azotemia, hyperphosphatemia, and then, um, of course, our, our non-regenerative mm. anemia, yeah. which is unfortunate. 
Yeah, I want to say with my renal dysplasia dog that we saw, she had a couple blood transfusions. <laughs> we didn't have to do blood transfusions, but I'm pretty sure we started Darby on her. We started Darby, but we before we could get the Darby, she needed a transfusion. Ugh. That sucks. She was such a good dog, though. Man, she was such a good dog. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, typically, again, we want to do a UA just because we're going to want to rule out uh, bacteria being present. We can see dilute urine, of course, uh, just depending on the degree of azotemia. A lot of times our sediment is going to be unremarkable. And oftentimes proteinuria is not going to be a component here mm. uh, because the glomeruli haven't formed. So it's not like they can get big holes in them to leak protein. <laughs> they just. Oh, that's true yeah um sometimes we will do x-rays as well so or ultrasound oftentimes we're doing an ultrasound if it yeah. ends up with us in internal medicine but what we can see is we're going to see smaller than normal kidneys we're going to see um kind of like fibrous kidneys like they're just going to look like a little bit more dense and not have the normal like structure that we would normally see via ultrasound mm. um and then diagnosis, though, oftentimes is usually just based on like suspicion due to breed and the age and the age of the time that disease begins to like present itself. But in order to actually confirm diagnosis, we're going to need a renal biopsy. And what that is going to entail is a wedge biopsy of the actual kidney. Um, and then it's it's of the renal cortex specifically, and that's going to be the most accurate way to actually diagnose renal dysplasia. And what labs are looking for specifically is going to be a large number of glomeruli within the biopsy, and they want at least 100 glomeruli in order to make an accurate evaluation and, and diagnose true renal dysplasia. Mm. Needle biopsies are just not going to be helpful for here. Nope. They need a, a larger sample. Yeah. So this, I've, I think, I can't remember if, I can't remember if we did the wedge biopsy when she was spayed or if we didn't end up doing it. I can't remember exactly. I, I want to say, I don't know. I can't remember if we did a biopsy. Did you, do you remember if you guys did a biopsy on yours? Uh, honey was already a patient when I started working there. Okay. She had just like became a patient. Yeah. I can't remember if we did biopsies because again, right. They're in kidney failure and anesthesia is contraindicated if you can help it. Yep. Yeah. And usually the biopsy is going to find things that are just above my pay grade. So we're going to see like um, <laughs> imma immature glomeruli, because again, that's going to be specifically what we're going to be looking for. That's kind of like the hallmark of renal uh, dysplasia. Uh, there's other things where you can see kind of fibrosis. We can see active inflammation versus non-active inflammation. We can see some atypical tubular epithelium. And then sometimes too on the biopsy, there's going to be mineralization of the tubules if the pet is severely affected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so I kind of already gave away the ending, but we kind of know where treatment's going to be heading, right? Because we're going to want to slow progression and support, hopefully, the one kidney if we can, uh, if it's bilateral. There's not a lot we can do um, yeah. other than just trying to support the body through the symptoms. So a lot of times we're going to be uh, just looking for chronic progressive renal disease we're going to see a lot of times in these patients, I, I don't know why I didn't mention this earlier. I put it in a funky spot in my notes here, but uremia is usually identified between typically six months of age and two years of age, which I would agree with. I think Honey was probably six months to a year when she originally came to us. Yeah, I was going to say mine was was six months when she got to us. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, we're, we're really just supporting the body. So kind of a repeat of the last couple weeks episodes, we're going to want to do some dietary changes. So we're going to want to do some renal supporting diets, um, just because we want things low in salt and easy to metabolize, even though proteinuria is not really a component here. Of course, a lot of our renal diets do have low protein as well. Fluid therapy is definitely going to be a big component here just because again we're going to really want to try to support the body and support the kidneys because these pets can develop dehydration like significant dehydration really rapidly mm. and oftentimes that's like we require hospitalization just to kind of rebalance out the pets um so make sure that of course they have access to fresh and clean water it's, it's unfortunate because these pets are pd and like so potty training's not gonna be the easiest yeah but we really need to drive home that like you these you these can't fluid can't withhold them. No, no these these pets cannot be fluid restricted whatsoever even if it means having to wake up every couple of hours in the middle of the night um potty again, pads are a good idea um those those grass pad things that you can yeah. put in your house are a good idea like or like indoor door. potty training yeah yeah. And then of course we can utilize some medications just to help with some of these symptoms. So we can, uh, help with the nausea that we might come across. Mm -hmm. We can help with sometimes, um, pets can be painful, which I found interesting for this. Cause like, I don't think it's the kidneys that are painful. I think it's the lack of growth that's painful because it is based around like bone pain. So because, mm, um, pets can't actually grow like how they're supposed to with right because it's like phosphorus kidneys. and all that other stuff is affected yeah too. yeah and like interesting yeah so sometimes we can we can just support by keeping them comfortable with medications in severe cases sometimes kidney dialysis or a kidney transplant can occur but that's not always feasible just because it's Ooh. so expensive it's yeah. it's very specific on where it's offered um so a lot of times it's really just going to be supporting the body with, you know, sub-Q fluids, special diet, medications to combat nausea and decreased appetite. That's going to be the main gist of how, how these cases flow. And it is unfortunate. This is a very lengthy conversation for doctors to have with people because prognosis does tend to be poor. Mm. The conversation is often, you know, that these pets aren't going to live to significant adulthood. Yeah. Um, in severe cases, as I said earlier, though, like those severe, severe cases where these pets are dying, you know, at just a few months yeah. old, it's pretty rare, five to 10 percent. 
Um, but a lot of times it's going to be early onset chronic renal failure, you know, by the age of three. And so it's unfortunate. But yeah. again, conversation for the doctors, the conversation the techs can have uh, would be around just making sure that parents know to allow easy access to water, continue medications, continue special diet, um, things like that, just to try to help keep pets comfortable. And when to like call the clinic, right? Like, so we mm-hmm. want to know when a pet hasn't been eating for a couple of days, vomiting, diarrhea, any, any significant changes. We saw honey pretty much anytime she just became lethargic. Cause like you said, right? Like they're, they're so used to it. They're so yeah. used to how their body feels that if they do feel lethargic, you're like, oh crap. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, oh, that means it's bad. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it is unfortunate. Yeah. And I mean, I think too, for, for technicians, because this is a long-term, right? So quality of life conversations, if they're severe enough, helping clients be okay with, because this is, I think this is one of those things where, you know, it's, it's a young animal and it's, it's frustrating and it's hard that they're that young and that sick. Right. And so I think talking to clients about quality of life and um, knowing when for them as a family, it's going to be time. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and understanding that. And I think being okay with understanding what all that means. Um, I think yep. that's, that's really hard sometimes for, for clients and, you know, and, and we can talk to them about all of that stuff. We can, we can even talk to them about the disease and just make sure that they understand what the doctor told them, because it's going to be a lot of information, probably in a very short amount of time. Um, so, well, yeah. And we can talk to them about their options too. gold mm-hmm. standard would be dialysis or kidney transplant. So that option should be offered. And if it, I wouldn't be able to afford it, like I get it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. It's not an option on a tech salary. But yeah. Like, it's just... yeah. I mean, if they have insurance, maybe you find out where they can go for those options. Right. And, and have a list of places that are <laughs> maybe in your state or a nearby state that are going to do, do those things. Cause some people are going to do it. Right. They, they're like, yep, I'm going to do the kidney transplant. And you're just like, all right, well, here's some options for you. Um, so I think that's another place where we can help too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, the renal dysplasia though. It's a poop. I know it is. It's one of like, I would rather have polycystic kidney disease. Than <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> but so short episode this week, guys, sorry, but there's only so much I can talk about kidney failure or things that lead to kidney failure. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It all ends the same. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, definitely listen to our kidney failure, like the basics episodes, because that talks about, um, how to anatomy and physiology these and, like, and things yeah cool all right, all right nice well. nice nice quick episode yeah so. <sighs> well enjoy the rest of this year if you're listening to it in the future i hope you're having a good start to your year <laughs> and uh yeah yeah happy holidays oh yeah happy holidays if you're listening to it in real time um anything else we need to cover before we head out for the week 
You mean for the rest of the month? Um, yeah, for the rest of the for the rest of the year. Oh come on! <laughs> Knock it off. Uh, no, I hope everybody has a fantastic holiday. We'll talk to you guys next year. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.